Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Hankook Dynapro AT2 Extreme. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. Turn first-round picks like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. Visit PaniniAmerica.net today. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The Volume. The Colin Cowherd Podcast brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. Uh, I've been in broadcasting about 30 years. And, you know, first 10, 12, I didn't have an agent. Then I bounced around and had a few. And my career was fine. And I was in local stuff, local sports, TV, radio stuff for about 13, 14 years. Then I got a job at ESPN. Um, And at the end of my ESPN days, uh, I got my last agent, Nick Kahn. And Nick Kahn worked at CAA. And, you know, he represented guys like Herb Street, um, a lot of big shots. There's two or three sports agents in America that represent most of the big talent. And Nick was one of them. And so I'm a pretty loyal guy. Uh, I had an agent. And, um, you know, my wife and I sat down one time and she said, I-, I think you need a bigger presence as an agent. And I said, all right. And then you meet Nick. And if you've ever met Nick, you could Google him, Nick Khan. He... If he showed up in The Sopranos, like he just he just was one of the actors, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, he looks like one of those guys. I'm not saying he whacks people, but I'm saying he gets stuff done and he's got a presence about him. And so then Nick and I became very good friends and he uh, got me to Fox 
and I've leaned on him. Uh, that was long time ago, seven, eight years ago on anything I've done in business. And then about a year ago, he said, I'm done with the agent thing. And Vince McMahon hired him to run the WWE, which is a massive task. Um, and so I thought, you know what? This is WrestleMania week. It's a little trip behind the rope in my career. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of deals he's brokered that are going on in the media. And a lot of people like, you know, you read Andrew Marchand, New York Post, one of those media guys. Uh, you know, people people like the media guys and the inside stuff. But a lot of times, and this is not not a knock on any of the media guys, you know, they, they're getting their information from the bigger sources who are really tied. And in my years of doing this for a living, Nick Khan was the most tied in guy I've ever met. I always said I had a lot of agents for years and they would ask me questions and they were competent. And then I got Nick and all I do is ask him questions and a great barometer on if somebody knows their shit in any industry. And this is my barometer always for all of it. Doesn't matter if it's a coach, it's an agent, it's a boss. If you ask them a question about their industry, they have to have a well-thought-out answer to anything. If they haven't thought about it, that means you don't have a thoughtful, smart, progressive, evolved agent, coach, business manager, attorney, doctor. If you ever go to your doctor and say, hey, I got this thing with my lungs, and he looks at you and goes, I've never thought of that. I've got no idea. Get the fuck out of that office as fast as you can. If you ever have an agent and go, what's your gut feeling on where streaming's going? And he says, you know, I've never thought of that. Get up, walk out, and never pay him a dollar. Nick is the first agent I've ever had. Every single question I ask, and I ask a lot of them, he is a step ahead. He's two years ahead, three years ahead. In fact, he had not long ago, uh, he was quoted in a magazine talking about the NFL rights, about six months to nine months out the NFL rights, and he just nailed it, you know, right down to the dollar figures. He knew where it was going, what they were paying, who would get the best deals. And to me, that's the essence of my friend Nick Kahn. And so let's bring him in. All right, Nick. So we both spent a lot of time in Vegas. Uh, you were born there, and it's really interesting. So when I first met you, I had an agent, and I went to New York, and I think we met uh, not the Peninsula. Was it the what was the nice hotel we met at? We met at the St. Regis, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. And so we met and my wife had been saying, you need to get an agent with a presence. Um, this is somebody that's in rooms. You're not. And my dad always told me years ago, he said, Tiger, <laughs> that was my dad. He said, Tiger, most of the employment decisions in your life will be made when you're out of the room. Be a good person. Get along with people and you'll get more hands will be raised to keep you on the company to get rid of you. So when I met you in New York, I remember hear your life story. You worked at Cafe Mich Michelle. You were a bus boy, if I recall. And my wife was in the culinary industry. And I remember coming home and telling Ann, I said, oh, I can tell Nick, you guys remind me of each other. I can tell you guys worked in the culinary business because you're both 
very aware of like the temperature in the room. You got to size people up. And as you were my agent, I knew you were an attorney, but there's something about your background, <laughs> whether you were a waiter or a busboy, zone in on it for me. Cause I actually think it's one of your greatest strengths. You've waited on people. You've dealt with crisis. You've made those last second, you know, the, the dishes crash, the meal stinks, people complain. What is it about that that works in your favor now as the president of WWE and as a former agent? Well, by, by the way, it's interesting you, you asked me that from my point of view, Colin, because I've often thought that that is the training job for being an agent because you have to deliver the goods while putting a smile on the face of the customer or when you're an agent, the client, to get them to pay you and pay you happily. So when you've had a great meal with great service at a restaurant, you don't complain about paying the bill. You're happy to pay that bill. So when I was an agent, I wanted my clients like you, when they would write the check to pay the commission to the agency, to be happy, to not be upset that they had to do that for any way. So in essence, it's the exact same job of a waiter. Serve the customer, put a smile on their face, deliver the goods, and make them happy to pay you. How come you got out of law? Uh, I thought law, you know, my parents are, are immigrants, um, and I thought that law, my, my dad told me, you mentioned your dad giving you the good advice um, about most of the decisions are going to be made when you're not in the room. I thought my parents gave me good advice for the, the son of immigrants, which was, hey, instead of waiting on people, if you want to be waited on, go to law school. Doesn't mean you have to do it for the rest of your life, but go to law school and getting that degree and that certificate It'll sort of put you in different rooms that you haven't been in before. So that's the reason I went. Once I had practiced for six or seven years, I, I thought it was a fine profession. I still think it's a fine profession. But if you look at the money, candidly, that lawyers are making, and this was in the early 2000s, I remember at one point, I'll just say the numbers because they're not huge numbers. At one point at 25 years old, I was making about $105,000 a year. 25 years old, hey, that's good money. Three years later, I was making like $108,000 a year. And I thought to myself like, okay, on this path, it's not going up in the steps that I wanted to go up in. So if you're not in mergers and acquisitions, if you're not a plaintiff's lawyer who's getting robust plaintiff's cases, I just didn't see the return on that investment being there, yet you had to put in a lot of work. So it sort of didn't make sense to me to continue doing it. By the way, that background has also been um a great stepping stone into not only running the WWE because you're, you've been doing multiple deals, which we'll get into, but as an agent, you're dealing, you know, at Fox, you dealt with Larry Jones, <laughs> you know, you're dealing with, you know, I don't know who you dealt with at ESPN, but if you're not dealing with a CEO, you're dealing with a lawyer that works with a CEO. Would you rather work with the president of a sports company, the president of NBC sports, or Peacock, or their attorney? What's easier and better for you? Well, I think it's interesting. When, when you deal with the attorneys, um, I think non-attorneys go into this, well, a lot of non-attorneys go into this mode with attorneys of, oh, the attorneys are saying X. The attorneys are here to advise us. And then it's up to the business people to make the decision. So even when we would talk about your contracts at Fox, you would hear, well, legal doesn't like this clause. And my response, having, again, practiced law for a number of years, was always like, well, 
what are we going to do if there's a breach of contract? Are you going to sue Colin in federal court? Are you going to ask for an injunction? Are you going to get specific in performance? And if you're not, then let's not worry about this thing right now. Let's go on. Let's make sure the money's right. The term is right. The role is right. And we're good on all the rest. And to my knowledge, I've never seen anyone sued over one of the clauses in that agreement that the lawyers fight on for days. So I'm not sure exactly what they're fighting about. It just didn't seem like a great <laughs> You know, it's these are powerful people, men and women who run these sports companies. I mean, you deal with Vince McMahon now. Um, there's certain emotional aptitude that you have to have. Yet these are emotional people. I know John Skipper. I, I know Eric Shanks. I don't know Vince McMahon. But um, do any of these negotiations, you just did one with Peacock NBC. It's a lot of money. We're talking hundreds of millions, sometimes billions of dollars. You've dealt with the SEC commissioner. Does it, I mean, does it get heated? The, the stereotypical agent network head is like a move, an Aaron Sorkin show, right? It's just yelling and screaming. Does it ever get to that point where it's contentious? Not from my point of view. So it, it would sort of take, there's never been anything said to me in a negotiation or any other conversation that I've had as an executive at WWE or as an agent prior to that, that angered me where one could tell outwardly that I was angry. Because at the end of the day, we're all talking about the same thing. So again, in your situation or the SEC situation, Fox wants you, Colin Cowherd. There's only a disagreement over how much money they want to pay. Right. So either they're going to agree with our assessment of the marketplace or they're not going to agree with our assessment of the marketplace. To me, if you have enough uh, information as an executive or as a representative about what the marketplace is looking like, then the person who wants you is going to have to play market value. And if they have to do that, why would there be any sort of contentiousness? Certainly not on my side. Maybe them to me from time to time, but that happens. You know, you um, since I've known you, we both love boxing. And, um, you know, listen, I'm on the treadmill, the daily treadmill talking about leagues, but I've told my audience this, and I think I've told you this, Nick, nothing beats a fight. Nothing beats an event. You had a relationship with a great Freddie Roach and take me back where did it start? And, uh, give me the, give me the journey on that. By the way, your recollection of these events is amazing. Uh, I think it's one of, I don't know if that it's an underrated thing of your many great qualities, but it's something you have great recall. You can sort of remember certain events and what the scene was like at the event. I don't know, just a compliment. Uh, it's one of the great, great traits uh, of you. Anyway, uh, Freddie Roach. So if you don't know what he looks like, and I know you do, but if you don't know and you're a bully, Freddie sort of looks like your perfect victim. Five foot five, white guy, glasses, Parkinson's disease. But if you do know who he is, you know he's a former lightweight contender and he can knock your block off. <laughs> so years ago, when I was a lawyer, I would go to his boxing gym just as a civilian, go work out there, hang out there. Uh, and I would tell him, hey, I'm a lawyer. If you ever need anything, let me know. Let me know. Let me know. So finally, one day he calls me and he says, hey, uh, I got into a little bit of a situation at a Kinko's. If you remember the Kinko's copy shops. Sure. And I said, uh, tell me what happened. And he said, I was standing in line next to a guy who was six foot six, 300 pounds. And the six foot six bully was yelling at the clerk at Kinko's. The clerk said something funny to the bully. I, Freddie Roach, was standing in line. I laughed. Bully turns to me and says, what the fuck are you laughing at? I, Freddie Roach, said to the bully, I'm laughing at what the clerk said to you. 
So according to the third party witnesses, the six foot six guy backs Freddie up, takes a swing at him. Freddie ducks under, lays the guy out with one shot. <laughs> Freddie gets sued, of course. He had never been sued before. So the guy found out at the time Freddie was training Mike Tyson, was training a guy named James Lights Out Tony, and ultimately sued Freddie. I can't sleep, emotional distress. People are driving by my house. So we got the case settled. I think it was like a $5,000 nuisance fee. Uh, you know, just get rid of the case. And from there, Freddie started introducing me to all of his fighters who needed legal help, including a fighter in a 2004 world named Manny Pacquiao, who had not yet broken through. And it was really Pacquiao that got me out of the law, Pacquiao and Freddie, out of the law and into the sports side of the business. What's the difference between defending an on-air person and defending a boxer? It's such a different world. It, look, in, in, in boxing, your, your, tip, your best boxers tend to come from the lowest rung of the socioeconomic ladder. So the rules are different there. So if you look at Manny Pacquiao, there was a time in his professional career where on a Friday night, he signed with Promoter X the very next day and took money from Promoter X. The very next day, signed with Promoter Y, took more money from that promoter. I spoke to him and I said, hey, Manny, I said, you can't do that. And he said, what do you mean I can't? I just did. And it sort of taught me something early in business. There is no can't. These are rules. Rules and laws are separate things. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I, it, I think that's fascinating. I'd be like signing with two networks. <laughs> yeah. Correct. So what, once I, and again, at that time I was 29 or 30 years old, but you hear it and, and you go through school. Like one of the things I don't love about school, Colin, if I can digress for a moment, I think it's great. Go get an education, broaden your mind. But school is a rule-based experience. If your paper's due on a Wednesday, you can't come in on a Thursday and say, hey, I don't follow your rules. Here's my paper. You'll fail the class. So your entire life, you have to follow the rules to even have a chance to succeed. And then you get out into business. There's no rules. So there are laws. We always want to follow the law. We want no problems there, as you know. But there's no rules. So you can do whatever it is that you want to do once you know what your risk tolerance is. You know those hot takes you post on social media? Well, now you can win up to $5,000 when you put those takes to the test on FanDuel. It's a new game called Over Under, and it's absolutely free to play on FanDuel. Here's how it works. FanDuel will set lines on things like total points or three-pointers made during every NBA on TNT broadcast. All you have to do is pick over or under for every prop. Your picks could win you a share of $5,000 during every contest. FanDuel's the exclusive home for over-under, and it's available in all 50 states, so you can play from anywhere. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash over-under and sign up now if you have not done so already. You create a new FanDuel account if you don't already have one. It takes less than two minutes to sign up. Then put your takes to the test during every NBA on TNT broadcast at FanDuel.com slash over-under. They could be worth up to $5,000. Age and location restrictions apply. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. 
Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com the way tire buying should be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So whether you're heading out to explore a new trail or looking to set a personal best on your daily run, start your journey off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Discover the power of advanced nutrition for strength and stamina at ProPlansport.com. That's ProPlansport.com. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. And now newly minted first-round picks like number one overall Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net with some of their first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out their most popular brands like Prism, Select, Donruss, and more, including Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen such as Draft Night Instance. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Colin Cowherd Show. You know, it's, you have to be, and I said this in the introduction to you, you've got to be, I pay you because I need you to be ahead of the game. And in my experience, most agents were reactive. You were proactive. And the story I told before you came on, I said, the smartest people I've met in any industry, doesn't matter if they're running a company, they're an agent, they're Vince McMahon. If I ask them any question about anything close to their uh, industry, they've got a well-thought-out answer. If, If you ask your doctor about something and he goes, I've never thought of it, Get the F out of his office and get a new doctor. So you you laid out 
Um, and, and by the way, in, in my ESPN and Fox career, you always gave me about a nine-month to a year runway. This is what's going to happen. Be ready for it. Um, here's your strengths. Here's some liabilities or weaknesses. This is what you have to consider. So it's interesting. You laid out, you told me a year to nine months. In fact, it was quoted, the NFL deals for all the networks. <laughs> you told me exactly what was going to happen. And it almost did. And then I, in about six to eight weeks before the deals came out, you gave me exact dollar figures, which I kept private. I'm not going to tell anybody. I can say it now. Um, my takeaway is ESPN had the most leverage and got the best deal. They didn't have to pay twice as much. Do you believe that ESPN would have potentially walked away from the NFL? I do. And I'll tell you why. There's new leadership at Disney. So Bob Iger, as we all know, is leaving at the end of this year. Whether he runs for president or not in 2024 remains to be seen, but he's leaving at the end of this year. Bob Chapik is now the head of all of Disney. It's a different negotiating tactic. Iger came up through the entertainment system where you had to overpay to get certain personalities and certain entities on the air. Chapik came up through the theme park system, which, as you know, when uh, pre-COVID or presumably at some point post-COVID, the theme parks make up 60% of the Disney revenue. 60%. It's a huge job. But he never had to overpay for a roller coaster. So when you're looking at the NFL and you're looking at a deal where, hey, there's an argument to be made, this is in the existing deal or what someone could say is the old deal. So not the new deal. ESPN is paying so much more. And part of the reason they're paying so much more is so they can have highlight clips. I don't know that people are watching TV for highlights anymore. That was something you were ahead of the game on five to seven years ago. It's no longer about highlights. Highlights have migrated over to the digital space. Even when you launched Sports Nation with Michelle Beadle, Jamie Horowitz, and that crew, it was all about let's talk about what's gone viral before anybody was talking about what had gone viral or what was big in the digital space. At that moment in time, it was over. So the NFL's presentation to me to Disney of, hey, you need our highlights, was met with them. Nah, we really don't. We just need a better game package on Monday nights. And, oh, yeah, we'll take your highlights as well. If they didn't increase the quality of that package, I believe Disney would have walked. Um, I mean, Fox as a network, I think, would acknowledge without the NFL, it's just not a viable network. And that's, listen, everybody needs something, right? Um, I, I think similarly, CBS um, and NBC are in similar situations. You, I don't know if it's a tightrope, but you struck a deal with Fox and the WWE and with one of Fox's rivals, NBC, you struck a deal with Peacock. These are both massive deals. Um, is it difficult? It, it, you have rivals. Listen, your job at WWE as the president, your job is to get deals for Vince McMahon and the company. That is your job. Networks love exclusivity. That shit's over. <laughs> okay. So when you were doing the NBC deal with Peacock, it is a formidable long-term deal. Did you think you'd get pushback? Do you think the rivals of NBC don't like it? How does that land for you? Yeah, I think that there's a couple of things. Just quickly in terms of the NFL with Fox and CBS in particular, there's a United States Supreme Court case that just got decided last week. So you had mentioned earlier about sort of looking ahead in the business and trying to figure out what's going to happen. 
the Supreme Court case, which was the FCC versus Prometheus Radio, and I don't mean to bore everyone to death. No, with it's this, great. But the FCC further deregulated ownership of networks, newspapers, etc. They were sued because of that. This was three or four years ago. The Supreme Court just held unanimously, nine to nothing, that the FCC was right in further deregulating it. So it used to be, for example, that a foreign-owned entity, think Sony, could not own a U.S.-based network. Those are all going away. You could not own two networks in one city. You could not own a newspaper and a network in one city. You'd have too much influence. But over time, it used to be that 100 different entities owned 100 different things. Now it's like eight entities that own 1,000 things. So look for more acquisitions, more mergers in the media space over the next couple of years because of that Supreme Court ruling, which a lot of people aren't talking about for whatever reason. So look for that one. In terms of the Fox-NBC split with, um, with the, the WWE properties, keep in mind it was myself, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, Vince, the, the entire WWE crew who did those deals. Ultimately, Comcast, NBC Universal, they were the incumbent. They had all of our enterprises. We wanted to split those. One thing where I knew part of it was going to land with Fox, a friend of mine, uh, I'm sorry, WWE had done a show, a live event at Staples Center. A friend of mine who was at the event sent me a picture of you that I still have. You with Eric Shanks, Larry Jones, Peter Rice, all at this event together. And I thought to myself, they're sitting in the front row. They're checking it out. It's in their backyard. They brought one of their prized possession talents, you, to the event with them. Like, these guys are in. And ultimately, they were in. And once we knew they were in and others came in, it only made sense to split the two shows and sort of follow the NBA model a little bit, if you will, that having two enterprises competing for your services would be better than one enterprise that had a ball. You know, it's interesting, Nick. I want to go back to the deregulation. And um, this isn't about deregulation, but one of the things we discuss uh, when you represented me was my my feeling was, I'll just throw it out there, that Amazon, which Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post, um, he can distribute journalism. He bought uh, Whole Foods, again, distrib his distribution network with the Whole Foods products. And I, I thought to myself, he my guess was he doesn't want to get into the bidding war for the rights. He'd rather the networks fight it out and buy one of the networks. Um, but in the end, he did end up getting Thursday night football. Do you believe Amazon or Apple? And again, it's almost a rounding error when you look at their market value, their valuation. Do you think they'll buy a network? Because the network now is not that profitable. I think networks would tell you with this NFL deal in five or six years, these are not highly profitable sports departments or networks. Do you think an Amazon or an Apple buys one of these networks? Yes. To, to me, it's as, as, as crystal clear as it appears to be in, in your head that part of the setup on these NFL long-term deals, and the NFL wanted long-term, <clears throat> but part of the benefit to the networks is if they were going to sell themselves, now they can sell themselves with at least seven years. My understanding is the NFL has a unilateral opt-out of all of these agreements seven years into the agreements. And keep in mind, they don't start until a couple of years from now. That's right. So you're talking about you know, nine to 11 years from now. 
Do we believe that these entities are going to sell? I think so. Even if you look at Fox. So part of what Rupert said when he sold the great bulk of what he had built to Disney was, we're not big enough to compete with what these new enterprises are. So to your point about the market caps, Disney, Comcast, Warner Media, market caps of 220 to 300 billion dollars. So at that time, Fox said, hey, we're not big enough to compete. They sold off 75% or so of their assets. So now with Fox Network, FS1, Fox Business, and Fox News, how ultimately are you going to compete as these other behemoths get bigger and bigger and have theme parks and have satellite companies and cable companies? And yes, I know Warner Media sold DirecTV, but they sold DirecTV because there's no broadband with DirecTV. So how do you ultimately get into the future of the business if you're prohibited because of your equipment from getting into the future of the business, which is broadband? You sell it. So when you look at Viacom CBS, much smaller company, when you look at Fox, much smaller company, both phenomenal companies with phenomenal leadership, but I'm sure there's going to be a number of phone calls made about possibly acquiring those entities. We'll see. Yeah. Generally, the way in airlines it works, you know, an airline will buy another airline for their routes. And, you know, what will happen is uh, the purchasing airline, those executives keep their job <laughs> and and the airline that's purchased uh, you know, they give up routes and those executives look for work. But I look at an Apple and an Amazon and I think to myself, Nick, that they don't really know the sports business and that they these are almost boutique purchases that they would buy a CBS and an NBC or a Fox. And it wouldn't be like an airline merger. They would keep the people. They would just be basically I mean, the, the, the money. There are trillion dollar days in Silicon Valley. So I wonder if an Amazon or an Apple bought these companies for a consumer, they wouldn't necessarily look different. It would just be more content. Like Amazon would love if they could buy a sports company that had NBA or baseball because Amazon can sell baseball jerseys and basketball jerseys on Amazon, right? So, I mean, I, I think it's something that, I mean, Amazon seems so natural. Apple is still a tech company. I don't feel that feels as natural. Amazon feels like the purchaser, right? It, it, it does to me. And look, to your examples earlier in our conversation about Whole Foods or the Washington Post, Marty Barron, the editor-in-chief of the Washington Post, he didn't get bounced out once Jeff Bezos bought the Post. In fact, he was further elevated and further empowered. To my knowledge, the Whole Foods CEO is still the Whole Foods CEO. So they come in, they buy these enterprises. You refer to them as boutique enterprises. I agree with that assessment compared to the ultimate market cap of what Amazon has become. So yeah, why would they replace with the, the, these executives who have proven track records and know what to do in the network business with people who are unproven? You've seen that happen over, you know, from time to time in our business where dilettantes come in pretending like they understand the TV business. It is something, as you know, that's learned over time. If you don't have that historical knowledge, good luck to you. I think Jeff Bezos, considering all his success, knows what the executives of Viacom CBS bring to the table, knows certainly what the executives of Fox, what they bring to the table. And I see it the same way you do. I don't see replacements made there. I see it as, hey, run it the way you've run it. Make these tweaks so we can make Amazon bigger and better. So let's shift to WWE, which you now run under Vince McMahon. 
this will be a naive question, but for the listener, I don't know the answer to this. I look at WWE as an entertainment company. Now you've got tentacles in broadcasting and streaming, alliances and partnerships. So my, my first intuition is, oh, you're an entertainment company. Is that how you view and Vince views WWE? So two things on that. Make, make no mistake about it, and I appreciate the compliments. There's only one person running the WWE, and that's not me. That's Vince. <laughs> I happen to work for him and help him uh, in that venture. But yes, I think the, the interesting thing when I took the job, uh, you and a handful of other people, Kirk Herbstreet in particular, you two both, said, you're going to run a media company. I think you saw it the exact same way that I saw it. And again, I'm not running it. Vince is running it. But it's not a wrestling company. In fact, we don't use that term here. It's sports entertainment. It's world wrestling entertainment, which obviously makes up for WWE. So yes, we see it as a company no different than any other entertainment company. The podcast space, the scripted space. We have an unscripted show. Not this weekend. This weekend is obviously WrestleMania coming up. April 10th and 11th, the following weekend, we have a memorabilia show debuting or premiering on A&E about WWE memorabilia and the people who have purchased it, sort of like Pawn Stars, if you will, in the WWE yeah. space. Right? Yeah, same weekend, we have a, the biography series, if you remember, on A&E. We used to have great biographies of different people uh, in recent you know, American history or even international history. We have eight biographies coming out on WWE wrestlers. So there's nothing, in my opinion, that we can't do. We're already in merchandise. We're already in toys. We're already in video games. But expanding further into the media universe, that's priority number one. You know, it, it's many wrestlers. Here's the criticism I heard before you took the job. Because when you took the job, I started asking people, people that I knew that were diehards, what's the strength? What's the weakness? And some had said, hey, listen, man, it's hard to find a rock. It's hard to find a Hulk. There's so many, so many stone cold Steve Austins in the world. And just like the NBA, you, you have a Michael Jordan, he retires. The league dips. I mean, the NBA was in trouble before Magic and Bird saved it. Dr. J, Magic Bird, Michael Jordan. Then you went through like an eight-year lull where you needed Kobe and a Shaq. It's hard to find stars. And, and people that I knew that knew wrestling said they they that's going to be the challenge to keep it fresh, find your stars. And then I thought to myself, well, where the hell do you find stars? Do you go to college football campuses, NFL guys? Do you have a scouting department? Where do you find your next stone cold? We do. And by the way, to, to your point, a couple things. If you look at, you, you mentioned how the NBA went through lulls in superstars. If you think back to when you and I were much younger, think 1984 in particular, there was a moment in time where the individual sports in the United States were as big or bigger than the team sports. So Mary Lou Retton, Carl Lewis, Evander Holyfield from that 84 Olympics. Burden Magic came in late 70s. It wasn't really until Jordan came in that the NBA became the NBA. If you remember even the NFL, it, it was it, it's sort of what happened to boxing. If you look at the individual sports from that era, they all fell off a cliff in terms of the popularity of their figures. And yeah, every so often you'd get a Michael Phelps, but you wouldn't get him every four years. The team sports, because they were so organized in their structures, really accelerated to where football really became America's pastime, in my opinion, the NFL. Yeah. The individual sports all dropped off, except for WWF slash WWE. 
So Vince and the team here, their ability to create and recreate characters one after the other to know what's sort of what's resonating with the fan base at this moment in time. So yes, we have full-time people here who are constantly scouring the earth for the next great superstar. What we've all realized is the next great one never looks like the last great one. So when somebody says, get me the next Colin Cowherd, like that's not what the next big thing in the audio space is going to be. You already have one Colin Cowherd. They have to have something that's almost completely different than you in order for it to resonate. If not, it's just you light. So that's really what we're focused on. And we are focused internationally because for each Manny Pacquiao that develops in the wrestling space, the media rights in that country go up as well as the interest in that sect of the U.S. population who's following that fighter from their home country. So it's something we're looking at day to day. How long do you know and how patient are you when you invest in a personality? How long before you know, okay, we got to turn him into a heel. It's not working. No, we got to flip him into a good guy. I mean, what? how much research do you need to see? Do you make those calls? Does Vince make those calls? I don't make those calls. Vince and Bruce Pritchard, who's a head writer here, and Triple H, otherwise known as Paul Levesque, uh, they make those calls. But something that we're all paying attention to every day is what is the audience saying? So it's one of the things that when we entered the pandemic, it was tricky for us because getting that audience reaction, you know if somebody's over, which is the wrestling parlance for if somebody's become popular, you know if they're over by how the audience is reacting. We had no audience. Ultimately, we filled in that gap through the technology of a company called The Famous Group, where we have all of these screen sets and people reacting in real time to what's going on in the ring, which gives us a sense of whether something's working or not. So a lot of people just go to Twitter. What my personal thoughts on Twitter, you have a very small percentage of the population that are very vocal and very influential there. I don't want us to be influenced by that. That's just one voice to look at. But what we want to look at is the actual massive voice that's present in this country and internationally, and that's through audience reaction. Is um, is a heel ever as popular as a beloved figure at WWE? I believe so. And I'll give you a couple of examples of it. Ric Flair, for most of his career, heel. You see people to this day imitating Ric Flair and, <laughs> and all of those things. The, the Rock for a great portion of his career. Your, your, your hero is only as good as your villain. So if you had Stone Cold either wearing the white hat or the black hat and The Rock wearing the opposite hat, that what's made, that's what makes for a great rivalry. I'm not sure that Muhammad Ali is Muhammad Ali without Joe Frazier. And I think that applies to every sport. So what happens sometimes, so we, we talked about Michael Phelps earlier. You talk about now with the NBA, NBA is having some ratings issues, as are all properties, especially those on linear television. What's the rivalry right now? What's the Lakers Celtics or the Lakers Pistons or the Pistons Bulls in the Eastern Conference or the Bulls Knicks? All the things that we grew up on, even Golden State the last couple of years. You had a mega team before the team was disassembled and suffered injuries and all that. You had a mega team. You had LeBron over in the East. That was always going to make for a good battle. What's the rivalry now? So that matters, I think, in every sport, and it definitely matters in ours. 
You know, it's interesting. Vince has, through the years, he's had some tussles with some of his most popular wrestlers, and I'm okay with that. Um, in fact, my criticism of Adam Silver, who I think's a smart guy, is that he's too pro-labor. He is almost paralyzed by his players all being happy, which is, listen, it's not Rupert Murdoch's job to make everybody at Fox News happy. We are workers. We're employees. Um, and I think the NBA is too consumed with making sure everybody's happy. The NFL's not. I mean, sometimes Roger Goodell has to be punitive. Vince has had some battles through the years because Vince is looking at research and Vince knows when guys have hit the wall. That's the reality of it. Um, I don't see him as a guy, Vince, who's scarred by it. Like he's, he's a businessman. W w knowing Vince's personality, when you first met him, there's the picture of Vince. We've seen the interviews and then you meet him. Anything surprise you about Vince and his personality? Yes, I, th I think a couple things. N number one, because he is perceived as so tough and because he is so tough and he's perceived as so smart and he is so smart, people don't realize how polite he is. He's very polite and he likes polite people. So he's not a gruff executive. Um, he's formal in a way. He's old school in that way. So he there's not a lot of small talk. Not interested in that. And by the way, Colin, just like you're not interested in a lot of small talk. No, I'm not interested in a lot of small talk. <laughs> we talk about this all the time. Correct. But how you doing? How's Ann? How's the kids? Everybody's good. Everyone's all the how's your wife? How's the kid? Everyone's great. All right, let's talk shop. Right. That's the conversation over and over between you and me. Very similar to the conversations with him. He's always interested in talking business. If you call him at 2 a.m., almost every one of my conversations with him goes like this. I'll call him up. He picks up. I say, can you talk? For the most part, he'll say yes. So do you mind if we talk shop? He'll say, please. We'll talk business. We'll talk business. Whatever the outcome of that conversation is, conversation's over. We move on to the next thing. So he can stick and move quickly. He's very polite. He wants to do right by the talent. When he feels somebody is pressing him too hard, like any fighter, he'll come out of the corner ready to fight, but he's calculated in the way that he fights. Very, very smart business person, as you know. I would imagine he's been offered multiple times to sell this. He doesn't need the money. It is a often turbulent 24-7, 365 lifestyle. Why doesn't he sell it? I think... I think for many of us, and, and I know I have the good fortune of knowing a little bit about your childhood and background circumstance coming up. Um, I think if there's been tumult in someone's childhood and they can get through that, if you don't get sort of bogged down in that stuff, if you can get through it with no safety net, it, it, there's an old saying, once you've been really, really hungry, it's hard to be really, really full. I, I don't see you retiring in a couple of years <laughs> right. and sort of. And by the way, the thought of retirement, when we go through hard days, you, me, Vince, whoever it is, I'm sure the thought of like, ah, it'd be fun to be on a beach, you know, with my wife and not have to worry about these things. Yeah, it'd be fun for like three days. <laughs> Two. <laughs> it's, I, I, and I tell my wife this all the time, three-day weekends, I love. Thursday, you get there late. Friday, you're at the pool. You're like, this is the life I should have. By the time like Sunday rolls around, I'm like, all right, I don't even need to get to this third day Monday. Like, this is boring to me. Let's move yeah. on. Right. So I think he has no interest in selling, number one, because he's built it. Number two, because he's still the best person to run it. And number three, what's he going to do? 
there was one executive who said to him a couple of years ago, where are you summering? And Vince was like, what are you talking about? Like summering. Where, where, where are you summering? Where are you spending your summer? And Vince McMahon was like, I'm spending in Stanford, Connecticut in my office. <laughs> what, are, what are you talking about? So he's not going to be the guy on a yacht and doing all those things. I think he's very interested in continuing to work. You know, it, it's he's powerful, he's smart, he's wealthy. One of the hardest things is, I mean, I don't care if you're Nick Saban, Nick Khan, Vince McMahon, it doesn't matter who you are, is allowing others to make crucial decisions. That's hard because um, if it falls flat, Vince is the face of the franchise. Um, take me through that. You've dealt with Bodenheimer, Shanks, uh, you know, probably Iger, uh, Peter Rice, Vince McMahon. When you're dealing with people who have a lot to lose, are the face, the captain of an industry, do you sense, are you aware, is there a certain courage for them to let go? Are they willing to? Are they reluctant to? I mean, Vince is WWE. Can he ever say, I'm going to go with your gut this time, not mine? Is that part of his personality or is there too much ownership for him? I think for all of the folks you mentioned, there's a couple common themes with them. Number one, they all talk straight. So when you're dealing with middle management, you'll get a bit of a runaround. It's right. The title of middle manager is obviously a negative title. Right. They give you the runaround. They won't give it to you straight. They'll dance around things. They'll say, I have to check with my boss. None of those people who you mentioned do that. They sort of trust their own gut and they go with it. And by the way, if you're wrong, then you're wrong and you could be out of a job. But that's part of the fun of the whole thing. You want to just sit and take direction for the rest of your life. None of those people you mentioned want to do that. And by the way, they all have to take some direction. And we all take direction from the shareholders and this and that. But at the end of the day, I think Vince, with his trusted circle, entrusts them to make decisions that they think are best for the business that he built and we're all now a part of. So I've seen that over with, the, with again, the folks that he trusts, no different than the Rupert circle a few years ago. Peter Reich, trusted lieutenant. Lachlan, obviously his son. James at the time, who was at the company. Eric Shanks, who's been there for so many years. He trusted those people. So he was still the boss, but they could make decisions. They just had to hope that they get it right. So as I do when I come here and as I did when I was an agent, if I was giving you advice on, hey, here's the lay of the land and I got it wrong, eventually you got to fire your agent if they get it wrong. It's no different than any of those folks at those companies. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So whether you're heading out to explore a new trail or looking to set a personal best on your daily run, start your journey off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Discover the power of advanced nutrition for strength and stamina at ProPlansport.com. That's ProPlansport.com. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. And now newly minted first-round picks like number one overall Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net with some of their first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out their most popular brands like Prism, Select, Donruss, and more, including Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen, such as Draft Night Instance. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Colin Cowherd Show. Nick this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, it is the event for WWE. Take me through it. It is such a massive event. The number of people, the number of viewers, the number of merchandise sold. Take me through the enormity of it. So WrestleMania for us is our Super Bowl. This year, it's a two-night event. And the reason we did two nights is because, number one, there's not a lot of sports television on this weekend outside of the Masters, which is a different audience than our audience. So you get two open nights on TV. We also felt it's also our first event with fans back in attendance. So we're at Raymond James Stadium, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Stadium. They just did the Super Bowl there. Initially, we were supposed to be in Los Angeles this weekend. About nine months ago, Kevin Dunn, our longtime executive producer, has been with the company since 1984. He and Vince are largely responsible for how great I think our shows look, the production value of them, which to me, I would put up against any sports league, any network in the business. Kevin Dunn and Vince, and then Vince and myself had the conversation of, again, nine months ago, LA is fully locked down. People are not leaving their homes. If we have WrestleMania in April of 2021 in L.A., we're not going to be able to have any fans there. Let's move this thing to Florida, which is where last year's WrestleMania was supposed to be. 
because we'll have a better chance of getting fans in safely. So for this weekend's event, 25,000 uh, per night, 25,000 for Saturday, 25,000 for Sunday, it's our first go back. So it's a performer's first go back with fans in attendance. Everyone's excited. From there, we're not going back on tour yet, but we're plotting out when we're going to return. Once we return, there's no going back. So once we return, it's going to be twice a week or with NXT three times a week. But our performers, they outwork so many people in so it's many insane. It's insane. The on-camera stuff, the off-camera stuff, the commitment to excellence is something that you see across the board here from them. And we're greatly appreciative of that. What will, in the eyes of the WWE, what will be a success? What are your standards? What are your goals? It, it, be it download, TV rating, merchandise sales. How is it viewed as eventually, oh, this worked, this hit? So this is our first time where it's exclusively on Peacock. First event. We did one three weeks ago called Fastlane, which was on WWE Network and Peacock. WrestleMania is exclusively on Peacock. So the interesting thing for us is Peacock is available for free in all of the Comcast cable homes. There's about 25 million homes. So let's say on a great WrestleMania year, we were up to 2 million plus subs on WWE Network in the United States. Now we're available for free in 25 million homes. We know our first event three weeks ago had a massive, was a massive success in terms of subs for Peacock. We have those numbers. They've asked us not to disclose it. We're happy to abide by that. But it was a big event. So the expectation for this weekend is big in terms of how many people subscribe. Keep in mind, WWE Network was $9.99 a month. Peacock right now is $9.99 for four months. So it's $2.50 a month. They have the EPL. They'll have the Olympics on it. They have the office. They have Modern Family. So to our consumers, it was bringing down the price point while expanding what they could watch on the service. And obviously, Peacock did a deal with us that we liked or we wouldn't have done the deal. So now that we're in the deal, we want to over-deliver on their expectation for subs, and that's the hope for this weekend. Where would I be surprised how popular WWE is? Is there a country that you were surprised when you saw the data? Hugely popular in the Philippines. It's, it's interesting. If you look at, for example award show ratings so think the bigger award shows the oscars the emmys they all rate really highly in the philippines things that no longer necessarily rate here the way they once rated here miss america miss universe they all rate highly in the philippines wwe rates highly there ultimately i think it's a desire for american product also the statuesque you know nature of athletes in the united states or superstars, actors, actresses, the way that they look. That's a big thing in that country. I'd spent some time there on the Manny Pacquiao business side about 15 years ago. They like American music. They like American pop culture. Our product is really big there. That surprised me once I came in and I saw the, uh, the data. Where do you want to grow the market? What country do you think right now, I'm going to seize that. I'm going to grow that space. Latin America and specifically Mexico. I think if you look at the Lucha Libre product, which is the authentic Mexican wrestling style, there are two smaller Mexican promotional companies that exist right now. I think if we WWE um, 
if we put the WWE effects onto one of those companies and we kept the authenticity, I'm talking about building our own company, not acquiring either one of these. But if it had the WWE touch on it, the WWE work ethic on it, ultimately you can build that marketplace out where you have certain events there that are still doing 30 million viewers. Um, things that you haven't seen in the United States outside of the Super Bowl in years, you can still do on a consistent basis there. If you're on free to air, which is their terminology for broadcast network and the terminology here, and you have the right local superstars. So we have a hyper focus on that region. What is the it quality? I mean, you had broadcasters for years. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I told you this. I, I've told people before. I think the key with radio is storytelling. Twitter, it's be witty. Books, be smart. And TV, dynamic. Whether it's the, um, the casting of Mary Tyler Moore, uh, the writing of MASH and The Sopranos. Uh, Simon Cowell popped. He was a dynamic figure, even though nobody knew who he was in the States and everybody knew Paula Abdul. WWE at its best is dynamic. Television is often at its best when you have, you know, Dick Vitale in the 80s, 90s was dynamic. Is there a similarity between TV and a WWE performer in it quality that you're looking for or that almost always works? I think there's a couple things. I think you know, you talked about a couple of different examples there. So to me, theater is an actor's medium. Film is a director's medium. TV is a writer's medium. So it always starts with the writing. So what made The Sopranos gate? You, you put a star in a poorly written show, that show's going to tank. You put an unknown person, James Gandolfini in the late 90s, into a show that's well written, that person's going to become a big star. So the same applies here. Our writers are phenomenal and it starts with them, then you have to have the character. So the character that works over and over, it's no different, in my opinion, than what's made you so special in your genre. You're you, it's just when the light turns on, you're you amplified. And that amplified effect, if you have the goods without being amplified, if you can turn it on to that next level, once the light goes on, you have a chance of being something. We have the good fortune here where if you don't have that big Colin Cowherd or rock type personality, we could put a mask on you. We could give you a manager. We can supplement that in a way that other folks and other mediums can't. So that tends to be what I think makes for these individual characters and in all of these mediums. Yeah, it's it's uh, I was a. Uh... I've been in the presence of Charlotte Flair a couple of times, and there is there's definitely a presence. Um, sure. Is is Vince at all surprised? Do you believe not to speak for him, but of the surging popularity of women fighters and women wrestlers? No, I don't think he's surprised by it. I think he's thrilled by it, obviously. But it's something that he, again, along with Kevin Dunn and Bruce and Paul and all these folks, pivoted a few years ago. What you saw was all of a sudden this crop of women who could do things that the men couldn't do and could do things that you had not seen female performers do previously. So it was something new to our audience, so much so that two years ago at WrestleMania, at whatever giant stadium is now called, um, it was our first main event with women. Ronda Rousey, three-way match, Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, did big, big numbers for the network, did big box office. And by the way, Rhonda is going to be coming back at a certain point in time. Becky Lynch just had her first baby. She's going to be coming back at a certain point in time in the not too distant future. 
So we're as bullish on that group of folks as on anything else at this company. By the way, do you know who my most popular podcaster is on my podcast network, The Volume? Renee Paquette. I do. Yes. Renee Paquette, formerly known as Renee Young. Yep. Very talented, uh, nice person also, as you know, which always helps uh, in business. But yeah, it's a very good podcast and she does great yeah. work. She, she does. Good storyteller, interviews, interesting people. Absolutely. All right. Now, you know, it's interesting as you, it, it's when I look at the WWE, so you got the Peacock deal, you got the Fox deal, uh, international, uh, you, you'd like to get bigger. You said, uh, South of the American border in Mexico. Um, you know, these tech companies gobble stuff up tech. I, I tell friends this all the time. Two things will control our lives going forward. Silicon Valley and the Supreme court. One leans left. One leans currently right. Is, is, could, could WWE manifest itself into a semi-tech company? Is that interesting? Is that too vague? Do you, I mean, obviously the streaming is a massive deal. Is that the beginning of something larger? How do you guys view, it's such a simplistic question. How do you view tech in your relationship with it? I think um, what, what we realized when we did the Peacock deal is when WWE Network launched in 2014, it was really just Netflix and us. So all we had to have was the second best technology after Netflix, and we were going to be in good shape. Now that the streaming wars have begun, you have companies far bigger than ours who have entered the space and are going to put far more dollars into the tech space to make sure that they stay ahead of the game. So that's not the business that we wanted to be in anymore, which is part of the reason we did the deal with Peacock. What we do want to focus on is our intellectual property. So if you look at the characters that have been created over time, I remember a moment in time, and I'm sure you do too, where Marvel, for example, this is pre-Disney purchase of Marvel, could not get distribution on some of its movies, where they had to do sweetheart deals for like the original Incredible Hulk movie from the early 2000s. No one was interested. No one saw Marvel as a company that could do film. If you look at what kinds of movies are being made right now, it's really just two kinds of movies, superheroes and under $20 million art house pictures. So people were so wrong about Marvel that everyone got into that genre eventually. Eventually there was an overcorrection. We think we're sitting on a treasure trove of intellectual property. And that's been one of the big focuses, certainly prior to me getting here, but in the last eight months since I've been here. For the record, uh, one of my best friends in Hollywood, his dad used to run a studio and his first job, his dad sent him to the Marvel basement to archive all the Marvel movies. And so Iger buys it for $4 billion. And my friend, I worked at Disney at the time. I worked at ESPN. I said, what do you make of that number? He goes, Colin, I know every superhero action figure in the Marvel world. I don't know how you're going to squeeze two billion out of this. And then Iron Man, I think Iron Man made four billion dollars. You know, oh. Jerry Jones often says this. Nick, that. When he tries to get a deal, he gets a deal that almost everything worth its weight, he overpaid for. You work in a billion dollar world now. Think of all the deals you've brokered. Is there a moment of anxiety? When it's a B, not an M, when it's a billion, not a million, how do you view it? There's not a moment of anxiety when it comes to that. To me, 
my, my belief in every enterprise. So, for example, I know privately, and we won't discuss the, the finances of it, but I believe if I'm correct, you just bought a new home. Yes. Correct. I don't believe that you offered less than what asking price was or that you tried to save $100,000 to show how shrewd of a negotiator you were. Am I correct in that? Yeah, I actually gave them 200000 more than asking because I thought it would be a very competitive situation. I thought I'd rather overpay and get the house. That's exactly right. And I, I think there are, there are few people in this world who have that instinct. You're that way. I'd like to think we're that way. And most of the people running these networks are that way. What's the difference over time as long as you and Ann enjoy that house with your family for 10 years, 15 years, five years, whatever it is you want, that house is not going to go down in value. And by the way, if it does and you have to lose 200, 300, who cares at the end of the day? I'm not counting the money in your pocket or in anyone else's pocket. But if you want something, you go out and pay for it. That's what I believe we do. That's what I believe the people we're in business with do. So the first thing I look for in a negotiation, if someone's nickel and diming over nonsense, I don't want to be in business with them. It's not worth it. Because when things go awry, and eventually they will in any of these relationships, they're going to grind you on small things. It is not worth it. If you come in like you did on the house, hey, we saw the house. We love the house. We want the house. Here's asking price. All right, we're going to offer you over asking price, and we're going to make an all-cash offer. Tough for, the, tough for the seller of that home to say no. I think the same principle applies in business. Just get the deal done. Is there anything about being an agent you miss? Any little subset of issues that, you know, there's obviously stuff you you don't miss, but is there, was there anything maybe being an agent to your current role that A, was a great assistance in becoming um, WWE head? Um, or is there anything you look back and go, you know, that part was fun or, or, cause I always look at the agent business. Um, me personally is a lot of drudgery. I, I like, I look at you now and I think, God, what a fun job. It's challenging, but how much fun? Look, I, I think being an agent, I'm phenomenally grateful for that. I loved it. Uh, every moment of it, even the sort of quote unquote headaches of it, you're there one thing I learned early on, there's no client who's calling you just because they want to hear your voice. The client's calling you because they need something and they believe that you can solve it. It's the same thing here. So it's not that much different uh, than what I did as an agent. What I'm here to help do is if there's a problem, help us solve it. We need to monetize things further. So again, when you would call me as much of a friendship as we develop, it was always important for me to let you knew, know, excuse me, that it was a business relationship first from your point of view to mine, that I'd answer the call when you called, or I could text you back, hey, I'll hit you in 30 minutes, whatever it is. But there would never be a Tuesday where you called me, you didn't hear back from me. You're calling me because you wanted to discuss something. So if I'm there to fill that gap, great, I have a chance of having success with you. If I'm not there, someone else is going to come in there. It's no different than calling your doctor or your lawyer or any other service provider in your life. If I call my lawyer, if I call my doctor, I'm not expecting a call back two days later. I'm expecting them to pick up the phone. And if they <laughs> can't pick up the phone at that moment, no problem. Call me in an hour. It's the same thing here. It's just instead of representing 30 different people, I'm representing one enterprise internally 
and trying to help in 30 different areas. You're not a big sleeper anyway. How much sleep will you get over the course of Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Tampa? (laughs) Here's what I'll tell you. I feel like there's no one who's successful who people want to hear, where people want to hear from them, I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit. And, and you and I <laughs> you and I have talked about this previously. There's certain things in life that others don't care about. No one cares when your travel's delayed. No one cares when you know you stub your toe at night on the bed and you're trying to show people how injured you are. No one gives a fuck. So in terms of sleep and all of that stuff. It's far overrated to me. I think it's great. Get your rest, be fresh and all of that stuff. But again, if somebody's calling you and they need something and that's a business relationship, you better be there to provide them with that something. <laughs> you better find another trade. Hey, they they created uh, melatonin for three and a half quick hours. Get up, boom, ready to go. That's We got to perform, baby. Come on. We got to perform. By the way, no one wants to hear when you go on the air. No one wants to hear from you. I'm really tired today. I had a tough night. Um, you know, I tossed it. They want to hear what's your take on the game last night, the college championship, who's going to become a star. That's what people want to hear from you, and that's what you deliver. It's great seeing you, man. Thank you for having me on, and thanks for supporting us and uh, all that you do. Oh, of course, man. Uh, it's I just feel very fortunate, and I'm not going to get emotional. Nobody wants to hear that shit either. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. I appreciate everything. My best to Ann, my best to you always. Thanks for everything. Say hi to Yvette and the fam. Hey, folks, we've partnered with FanDuel on a daily fantasy contest for the Masters. In order to enter the volume golf pool, just head to FanDuel.com slash volume golf. That's FanDuel.com slash volume golf. Create your account and your free entry will be waiting for you when you log in. Then draft your lineup of the world's top golfers to play for a share of a thousand bucks in total prizes. Plus, first prize wins a swag package provided by the volume. Remember to rate this show and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcasts. Also, the volume now on YouTube. Yep, we're on YouTube. We'll be uploading new episodes and clips daily, including some past interviews and moments from all of our shows. Please go subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash the volume. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.